Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Just when we think we're just going to coast into a nice, eventful offseason, Ivan Provorov rumors start rolling out for the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 108. Yes, 108 of Orange and Back Check. As always, a guy that is still suffering from leaping forward an hour ahead. It is actually, what time is it? It's actually 7 o'clock in the morning according to our brains. But hey, let's forward away. Spring forward. Scott Weinhardt, how's it going, brother? I'm tired. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm tired. I can only imagine with you, with your work schedule, how early you have you to know, get up in the morning, how much that would have to suck. You know, I will say that, yes, I lose an hour. You lose an hour of sleep on the daylight savings time that we just we just did. Um, I will say that the rolling back to standard time or whatever they call it is a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Or is a lot more difficult, I should say. This is easier. Uh, really? Yeah, because I, I I spring. Well, we'll find out on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I, I'm yeah. doing a later shift on Monday, so I'll let you. I'll let I'll update the world on how I overslept by an hour on uh, Tuesday oh, yeah. morning. Yeah, we'll check because that'll Bill, probably happen. Radio Bill twelve ten on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you're not following us at Orange Backcheck at O Backcheck on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Scott is at Scottata S K A T A H. Make sure you're subscribed to all of our good stuff as always. And shoot us a fan email. I mean, orange and backcheck at gmail.com. We, we, we need, a, we want to hear from you, obviously. Um, the big stuff, obviously, uh, they, so they're coming off two losses in a row against two really good teams. One is the best team in the NHL. One is the best team in the NHL since the all-star break, in my opinion, in the Florida Panthers. Um, so, I mean, it's the standard stuff, honestly. Like, it's, it's nothing. Uh, I thought they played well uh, yesterday against Carolina. Uh, considering the circumstances, but by the end of it, it, it always comes down to the same thing. Whether it's Martin Jones or in net or Carter Hart, this team is not talented enough because of the injuries, because of the drafting, and and it's just you know, it, it is what it is at this point with this team, and that's that's how we're gonna. This is just all we're gonna have to be able to deal with for the time being. Well, I look at it this way: there were some people putting out put things yesterday on Twitter and saying like, "Oh, you know, you can see how they just can't skate with the team, and that they're, they're clearly not ready to be contenders." And I'm thinking, you don't have your top center, you have injury issues, uh, and yet again, you really effectively only lose to the best team in the NHL by a goal, and it was only because they got scored on with like three minutes left. That's the only reason they lost the game. That game could have went into overtime very easily. Yep. It's just because of a shot that Martin Jones never saw. I. I 
disagree. I understand the fact that they're maybe not as fast as a team like Carolina, but there is no doubt the fact that you went and you played them as hard as you did, yeah. considering how good Carolina is. So I, I, I see that as actually kind of a positive, is that if you're back up to full strength, I can see why the Flyers are, you know, the brass is optimistic. Because essentially, you did have the same team as 1920. Excuse me. And also, you all have the same way of playing a team that hard and getting up for it. You get the great, great guy behind the bench. You have enough talent there where you can compete with it. Yeah, maybe you're not as fast. But if you play responsibly and you're well coached, you can certainly beat a team like Carolina. And they almost stayed yesterday. Yeah, even with how good Carolina is, they are beatable. In, right. like, like, I think it's one of those things where um, no matter who they go up against, whether whichever wild card they go up against in the in the, in the playoffs, they're going to push them, uh, especially. Right. I mean, Frederick Anderson's a nice keeper. Uh, I think they've really found their guy after blowing it up uh, in this offseason with their goalie rotation. But Frederick Anderson has been a really solid guy, but he has his moments for sure. And, right. and the Flyers should have taken advantage of that. And again, like you said, missing your top center and Sean Couturier. Um, Kevin Hayes limped off a little bit. I think he came back though, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And, uh, like it's just, and then you guys in outside of that on the minor league level, like Wade Allison cut his wrist, like got sliced by a skate. And it's like, how, how much more can you handle as a franchise? Not just a team with the flyers case, but you're trying to get a guy like Wade Allison. That is a top prospect right now for your franchise and you're just trying to get him acclimated at the professional level and he's recovering off this injury and then right away four or five games in into his time at in in lehigh he's cutting his wrist now thankfully he did come back it seems like he's he was jacked up and he got got a goal i believe but still like it's just one of these things where anything that can go wrong is going wrong for this franchise right now man yeah it's murphy's law Law. exactly So, well. and, and it seems like it's just rapidly building, rapidly building. And, and that's where we turn to the, the big news this week is what's the future of Ivan Provorov? Ivan Provorov was one of the first draft picks made by uh, top picks, I should say, by Ron Hextall. He actually he was one of the few guys that was escalated quickly. In terms of development, I mean, he didn't do much time or any time, if I recall, in Lehigh. He played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, had a phenomenal season, um, I guess, in 16-17, maybe 15-16. Well, he was, he was drafted he in 15 Drafted in 2015, yeah. Right. So, But either way, like he was so dominant in the Wheat Kings. Hextall actually said, and this was uh, against the grain of what, obviously, he uh, went on to have the philosophy of, or and said... I'm bringing him up, and he did, and it was a great move. He and made all the, the team out of the 16-17 season. I mean, yeah, he, like he I made, remember that. Yeah. So it's one of these things where you look at it and you're like, it's really disappointing to hear the rumors that he is difficult to handle. He is uh, self uh, righteous and 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 looking more focused on himself than the team, and that's very abnormal for especially in the sport of hockey. Um. And just the overall, a quote-unquote divorce, as some people have put it, Flyers Puck Sauce on Twitter, I know. Uh, Anthony Sanfilippo of Crossing Broad wrote something about it. Like, are we are we inevitably going to be looking at the end of Ivan Provorov as a Philadelphia Flyer? Yes, but not for these specific reasons. Look, I've been saying for weeks now, I think that he has potential to be traded on the trade block. He was almost traded for Patrick Line two seasons ago, and they declined to do that. 
which is actually in the long run smart move. You're adding your offense by subtracting defense. That yeah, that's a problem. You resign Rasmus Ristolainen this week to yep. a a five year uh, what's it called twenty twenty five twenty five yeah twenty five million dollar contract, which took an actual bit of a pay cut too. People don't realize that, so that's actually a really good deal for the Flyers. You took a three hundred thousand dollar pay cut first season on his AAV. That's pretty good. Yep. So I look at it this way, you know. This is this is part of the problem with social media and stuff nowadays. This is part of the problem is that we, we we're dissecting so many little things into this. Like, oh my god, he's in the social media. His girlfriend's on social media. Yeah, well, no shit. Everybody is. Yeah, like, but yeah, but to that point, like, and I'm glad you brought that up first because they are. She is very prominent. Like, she is a TikTok quote unquote star because of their dog Drake. Like, I follow them on TikTok. Because I at first I didn't realize that it was Ivan Provorov's wife or girlfriend, whatever. I don't know if he's married, but like they are very prominent. And Provy does Ivan does make an appearance here and there on that TikTok page. But again, I am going with your point. Like it's at the end of the day, it's social media. Like everyone's involved with it. You involved with it. I'm involved with it. Our our podcast is involved with it. So like, are there people that get self righteous and, and self absorbed and selfish? through social media yes i don't i can't conclude that it's ivan provorov being selfish because he's on social media which i think is what you were alluding to no 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 i'm not saying that he's selfish i'm saying the fact that i just think some of this stuff gets overblown i i, I really really do it maybe that's just the culture that we have nowadays and stuff but listen why don't we take it for what it is okay he just turned 25 years old okay he, you know, people want to talk about his confidence. I mean, okay, he's he's played most of his seasons with the Flyers as far as that weren't good seasons as far as his yeah. skill level. He hasn't had consistent partners the past couple of years. This is clearly someone who's being mismanaged. Yes. I mean, you want to look at this. I mean, look at yes, yes. You want to you want to look at him from like you know if you're if you're at work and you're not using the person the right way and clearly all these little things are happening. And the person's upset about it. And you're like, well, I mean, that's and people are like, well, he should get over it. Like, no, at the same time, first, like, understand that this whole situation has been mismanaged for a few seasons now. Since Matt Niskanen, his best season was with Matt Niskanen. We've said it before. I've said it a million times. Everybody wants him to be like this Chris Pronger type where he's this big number one defenseman and he's that number one guy. They don't friggin' grow on trees. Sometimes guys excel when they have a good partner to play with, okay? I believe it was uh, Zach Rowenski, Zach um, uh, Rowenski, and then then, who else? I think it was Seth Jones in in, – in Columbus, yep. they both played very well because they complemented each other. Now that they split apart, they're not as you know, or not as great as they as they should be. But what I find funny is that people don't understand is that he's playing on a very bad team as the top defenseman without really any partner to go with him. They've been resistant to bring up Sanheim and Ristolainen because they played so well. Look how much better that Sanheim has been this season, arguably the team's best defenseman. Yeah, I would because, agree. With that. Because he's got a solid partner in Ristolainen. So stop digging into this guy's personal life and saying, oh, he's a problem here, he's a problem there because of his girlfriend and social media and all this stuff. Well, like, I'm just saying it's not, a, it's not, sometimes it's not a valid argument when you have things on the ice. Yes, is he making bad turnovers or making bad plays? Yes, he is. He's not playing well. 
but the team isn't playing well. He hasn't had a partner in two seasons to go with. Yes. I just think it's something that people don't that people don't realize that he's only also just turned 25 years old today. He's still kind of a kid. So what what can we can we look at can we look at the broad spectrum here? Can we look at this instead of just focusing on saying He's a problem. Well, yeah, he's a problem. He's been mismanaged. He's probably frustrated as anything. He's probably doesn't have any confidence. Yeah, and frustrates me. I will say, and to the part about being mismanaged, I mean, that's obviously a theme right now for this franchise. I mean, look at the yo-yoing that they they have, and that's not a shot at Mike Yo. That look at the yo-yoing that they're doing with with Morgan Frost. I mean, granted, he's back up with the team because of the Scott Lawton. Con- I'm assuming a concussion. I mean, he went hard into the boards the other night right. against Florida. Upper body uh, injury. Head in- uh, they actually said head injury, too. Right. So, uh, like, Morgan Frost is supposed to be this young prospect centerman that you have, and they just don't – they're forcing something on him uh, to to be that it's not working. So because it's not working, they think, oh, he's not developing enough. We need to season him more, and they send him back down to – uh, Lehigh. Now that they're bringing him up on a re- injury basis, not on a skill basis, and that's a problem. And to I, to your point about uh, Ivan Provo's social media life, like I, I overall, for the most part, I don't give a crap. Like it's one of those things. That's your life. Everything is outside hockey. You're a human. You have a family. You have a right. dog. You want to promote it? Go for it. I don't care. Right. Right. What I am concerned about, and this was brought on by at Flyers Puck Sauce, and and if you don't follow him, he's a great follow. The the problem I saw and read into it, if his rumors are correct or if his reporting is correct, is Ivan Provorov's reluctancy to get off the top power player, the power play overall, because he didn't want to be moved off because he's like, no, I am the guy that plays on the power play one. If you're going to move me, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to play. Now, now, granted, he has been taken off over the last couple of games. But it feels like a little too late, right? Like he, we've we've been making notes about how poor Ivan's pro uh, Provorov's play has been on the power play for months now, and they've been. I don't know if it's been. It seemed at the time they were forcing it to get him on the to to see what he could do. Now, based on this reporting, it sounds like it's him being reluctant and not wanting to be taken off the power play despite his poor play. That concerns me because if you're forcing a coach or a franchise to put you somewhere, whether it's a top line, a power play line, a penalty kill, that is not your decision to make as a player. Your decision is to play the game your way, how you want to play your way to be the best possible player out there on the ice every time you step on. Now, that is what I like in Ivan Provov because he is a, a warrior. He is a guy that has only missed one game in his entire career since he came up, and it was strictly because of COVID. That's the only reason he missed yeah. out on a game. Yeah. So that's something to say about Ivan Provorov. Overall, to the initial question I asked, is Ivan Provorov's years done with the Flyers? Yes. Sadly, it's really it's a really bad look on the Flyers' part because now you're giving up not just Ivan Provorov, but in the grand scheme of things, you've now given up two of your top defensive blue chips over the last two years, really, depending on when he's traded, within a calendar year Correct. with Shane Gossespierre and Ivan Provorov. That is a huge problem and might be one of the reasons why they were so willing, despite the, I think it's a team-friendly deal on Rasmussen, Ristolainen's contract, that is still a significant amount of money that could potentially be, depending on how th- things shake up uh, in the offseason, 
could potentially be $5 million for a third line defenseman. Because if you can, if you shift things around enough, you could theoretically see Sanheim and Risto as your third pair, not your second anymore for next season. Well, I mean, and let's not forget too, they also traded Phil Myers as well. So it's, it's, it, that's three homegrown defensemen in the last year we're talking about here. Yeah. This is where. Oh, I forgot about Hague. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that's like, that makes it four. Cause then, Hague, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you're yeah, right. Yeah, God. Holy God. Yeah. So they've already been a massive overhaul of the blue. And line. most like, of that. And the other and the other concerning thing is most of that is the Hextall picks. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gossip is 2012. So that was Homer. But still, like Ivan Provorov was was a was a was a Hextall pick. Hag is obviously like it's just it's not a good look. Yeah. And here's. This is this is the key is that, you know, I understand that Provorov is making some, you know, bad plays. You know, we're talking about a giveaway on the net yesterday, giveaway in the second goal yesterday. He's a, a, an awful turnover right out in front against Washington last week. You know, a lot of that I think is confidence. I, I, I People don't realize how much confidence plays in hockey. And if you don't have confidence and when you're trying to do too much because you know you're the guy back there. And I think that that's what's frustrating when people aren't seeing the the – People aren't seeing Ivan Provorov side to this. And I, this whole situation is that when you're not playing confident, when you're not, when you're, when things are going inconsistent, when things are unstable in an organization, you know, that does affect your confidence. I mean, look, I, it, it's not easy. How many times Claude Giroux's been through it? And, you know, yeah. and that's the things though, but he's handled it differently because he's also a kid too. He doesn't, he has, he wasn't insulated like a guy like Claude Giroux with like a Danny Breer, a Chris Pronger. You know, uh, a Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, guys who had been around some of these things before. You know, the these guys are still young enough where they're they're still developing as human beings, also. And I think that people don't see that. And when you're kind con- not confident, you're trying to do too much, and you're trying to make the right play to to win. You make a bad pass up the wall that gets cut off and leads to a goal. You you try to force a play when you're trying to you're gripping your stick a little too tight. I'm not sitting here and defending his play and saying that he's doing well. No, I'm not. He hasn't played well enough at all. I think that though, as the organization goes, you're, you're getting into a situation here. If anybody remembers Joni Pickin, Joni Pickin, the Flyers traded Ruslan Fedotenko to the lightning. who ended up killing him in the playoffs that year for Joni Pickin to solidify their defense and Pickin had a good first season, but after the lockout, he really didn't have, you know, he was going through what Provorov does. The confidence issue is not great, you know, and they, they gave up on him. They wound up getting Jason Smith out of the deal, and I believe um, Joffrey Lupul as well. So um, that was a big deal uh, for, for them at the time to remake that type of move. And I think Provorov at this point, it would benefit him to ha- and the Flyers to have a change of scenery. Now, that doesn't mean that if he's on this team next season, I'm not going to complain about that. I think it's actually how it's helpful because I still think there's potential there for him to play very yep. well. This seems this certainly to that point, it certainly seems like something that can be easily mended, like Correct. fences are mended between yes. the organization and Provi, because I, I think the big caveat here is, do they want to take the risk? And look, again, we're 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 kind of splitting hairs here on what we define as a team blow up because we do we are advocating for a team blow up because of the state of the franchise but at the same time you have to look at the realistic notions of that obviously Giroux is your top blue chip that you're hoping to move 
But with a guy like Provorov, what can you really get for him? Can you get a first-round pick? Can you recoup yeah. that first-round pick? I highly doubt it. What Can you get a blue-chip, ready-to-play prospect or, or a fringe bottom six guy? Like, what is the value of an Ivan Provorov? That remains to be seen. On the other hand, is as a franchise, are you willing to, and, and Chuck Fletcher and Danny Breer and the like, willing to ask yourself, do we mend the fence between Ivan Provorov and ourselves to convince him, look, we know you want to be with Matt, uh, uh, the Matt Niskanen success that you had. We think you can have that with a fully healthy Ryan Ellis. Correct. Because I think that is the that is the pitching point for the, the franchise because Ryan Ellis was your star signing in the offseason. And that is a problem when he suffers this groin injury that he did. And he only plays four games out of the 82 out of the 82 that you're going to play this season. That is a huge problem. And I agree with them to try and I, I would imagine that's going to be their first move to try and mend fences and help that they can hope that they can do the change of scenery internally for Ivan with a, with a good partner in Ryan Ellis. And this is what people don't remember. And this is when people look at like the turnovers and stuff. And I want to make this clear. The reason why he's turning the puck over a lot is because his right now, his partner is Justin Braun. Okay. All due respect to Justin Braun. Justin Braun is not an offensive player in the national hockey league. He's not. He's a good, solid, stay-at-home defenseman who can pair along with a lot of different teams, have some versatility on a right as a right-handed shot, and really just play, he plays a very, very – he plays his style of game. He's not a guy who's going to be an offensive threat. You brought him poor Rob to be that two-way defenseman where he could play in the offensive zone. The problem is now is that you need him to make that first pass out of the zone. The reason why he brought Ryan Ellis in is because he was very good at making that stretch pass and that first pass out of the zone. So. Basically, think of it this way. If I can compare it to basketball, before before the Sixers got um, – uh, what's it called? Uh, before they James got – Yes, thank you. Before they got hardened, when you get the ball inbounded, it's mainly going to Tyrese Maxey, and Maxey's your point guard there. Now it's hardened. Harden's distributing the ball around. It's kind of the same thing with the Flyers, is that really when you have Pro-Rod out there, Pro-Rod is the one trying to, pre- trying to push the play out of the zone because Braun – you can't re- – the reason why they're seeing a lot more turnovers from Provorov, from what I see anyway, is because they're trying to do the stretch pass and they're trying to kick it out of the zone because he doesn't have a partner who's going to jumpstart that rush. You know, when you have the puck behind the net, you go D to D with Ryan Ellis, and then also with Ivan Provorov, you have two players there who can make that pass out of the zone. Ryan Ellis would be your guy taking that puck out of the defensive zone and making that first pass, which is which is one of his best skill sets, which is why the Flyers brought him in here. It's the jumpstart Ivan Provorov offensively where he's more talented as well. The problem is because you have Provorov playing so much defense, you're missing that side of his game. So it makes it more effective. It makes it look like he's playing worse because he does. he's not able to jumpstart that rush a lot of times. Now you see him sometimes. He's in the offensive zone. He's, you know, if he gets an opportunity to take and, and forecheck, he will. Um, and he gets, and, but he's doing a good job of getting back. But it's not as consistent as it would be with Ryan Ellis, which is why I think that, Yes. Is there a possible for a change of scenery? Do I think the Flyers look to trade him? Absolutely. He's a high pedigree pick. He's a first round pick, first round, seventh overall, seven years into his career, mid 20s on a, on a team friendly contract for a very team friendly offer. So there is potentially that all those factors can just be like, you know what, we're going to move on. But it depends on what you get in return. And this is, this is, this is twofold because it depends on what you're going to get for Claude Giroux. 
because now that Gabriel Landeskog is injured and getting surgery, yep. that frees up the space where, okay, now you can make a move with Colorado and not have to retain too much cap space. Secondly, it depends on what you get in that deal. Do you get Bowen Byram? Okay, that 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 would be a big telling sign if you got Bowen Byram. I don't think you're going to trade Bowen Byron for, for Claude Giroux. Or are you getting um, uh, Alex Newhook? If you get Alex, just throwing it out there. I know that the Colorado Rangers don't want to give it up. Or you're getting Tyson Yost out of the deal. You know, are you getting the center? Okay, well, that means is that you're, you're moved, you improved your center role, but you didn't move anything on defense. So what are you going to get for Pro Rob? It's a separate deal now. Some of the framework for deals that happen in the offseason are going to be starting to build now. But the question is, the Flyers had already looked to trade Pro Rob once before. They yep. will do it again, but it's got to be the right deal because number one defensemen don't grow on trees, and the grass isn't always green on the other side. So while we might people might be complaining about Pro Rob and his play right now, it could be someone else and Ryan Ellis is probably not as good as, as Ivan Provorov. And that's something that you have to think about as well. And I don't think people see that right now. Yeah. And, and so let's put a cap on this and then we'll move on to the wrist and deal and, and Claude Giroux uh, rumors percentage chance that you see Ivan Provorov back on a flyers uniform for 2022, 2023. 50. It's, it's, it's okay. going to be, a, it's going to be a coin flip. I, it, it, they're going to have to get enough value for him. And what that value is that like you just talked about, I don't know. I mean, look, you want to look in the offseason. Rasmus Ristolainen just pitched a first-round pick. Yep. You know, for an expiring contract. Could you get that much for Ivan Provorov? Possibly. Theoretically, you should because he has a, a team-friendly deal. You get him for tenure at least two seasons, if I'm not mistaken. His contract go, keeps going. It's just one of those things where it, it theoretically could happen. I know I just right. said that it, it it it's might not happen, but if we're basing it off the Ristolainen deal, I could be you. You could find a team desperate enough. I mean, look, yeah. Colorado is about to become very desperate. Like that's yeah. that's the like they are a team that's in contention. They just suffered their captain loss to surgery mm-hmm. uh, on that knee. That they do hope that with he'll be back in time for the playoffs. One of the benefits of this season for injuries like this this late into the year is we still have a whole month and a half of hockey to go because of how the schedule goes. Normally right. around this time, we're we're on games like 67, 70, and only have a few games to go before the end of the season in mid-April. Right. Because of the schedule, you have until the end of April now to figure it out. And in terms of how, what, land, for Landis Gog to recover. I mean. It's so, at four weeks. So you got a month. Yeah. So. so so that would normally that would probably be right at the cusp of the end of the at the end of the season, right at the beginning of the the um, the playoffs, depending on the actual time frame. Mm-hmm. But now it's you're in the you're coming back in four weeks for Landis Dog, probably around game 75, 76. Yeah. And that's a huge that's a huge difference. Uh, and compared. also it depends, too, because, you know, with the daily cap and stuff, they're trying to make, you know, they might work to flyers if they make a move, they might retain some salary on Giroud to do that and to make it happen and make it more appealing for Joe Sackick to make that deal, depending on what's being put out there. Um, we won't know until the, the, the trigger is pulled. We won't know because it's right. not like that Claude Giroux is the only guy. They're looking at Patrick Kane also. So that's, I mean, you have Patrick Kane, Claude Giroux. Uh, I mean, Kane you know, still has it, but the Kane benefit can score. Kane can still score. And the benefit is that Claude Giroux has been on fire this season as a yeah, whole, uh, like, well, as a whole, but lately he's not, he's cooled down quite a bit. He, you know, yeah. he's got what he's got a, a nine points in his last 11 games or something along those lines. Yeah. I know he had an assist against Carolina. Um, or maybe yeah, they, yeah, yesterday, yeah, yesterday yeah. on the Broussard goal. So, flipping. 
but but again, when these injuries happen, we've seen it across all of major sports. When an injury happens to a contender or what you think of yourselves as a contender in the offseason uh, or in the preseason, and you're like, we need to get a guy to fill the void of this player now, like you could theoretically make drastic moves and drastic measures. And that bodes well for the Flyers. Um, uh, and it's like, it honestly, and to your point about the Flyers cooling down, uh, or excuse me, Claude Giroux cooling down, Jeff uh, Merrick was on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman, and he he was basically along the lines of, I don't know where the market is right now for Claude Drew. Now, obviously, things have changed because of the Colorado news, mm-hmm. but I mean, this idea that we're getting in our heads where we get a top prospect or a top blue chip player like a new hook or a Bynum uh, for Claude Drew might be waning, and that possibly. But it, at the same time, it might have just come back because of how these injuries affect the player and the team. So, I mean, we'll be in attendance. You'll be in attendance for the Nashville game this Wednesday or Thursday, the 17th. Mm-hmm. That's his thousandth game. Yesterday, the Carolina game was his 999th career game for the, as a flyer. 98, 98, 99 is oh. today, and then, and then Thursday is, is, is uh, that one. Okay. So the 17th is a thousand. Like, yeah. there's a real possibility yeah. that there's a trade in place. Ready to roll. Ready to go. And nobody's broken it yet. And on the 18th or 19th, Claude Giroux is no longer a flyer. Like that's the that's the realistic possibility because the trade deadlines, by the time we record our next episode, we're gonna be breaking down trades of what happened. It's very close. And here's the thing, too, that the Flyers are probably scared about at this point because Jacob Chickham got hurt last night for Arizona. Yeah. So and he was a big trade chip that people were looking at. So I don't know what the latest updated that one is on, but I know that I saw that he got hurt last night. So uh look. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty neat to, to 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 see that. I mean, apparently the Flyers have things planned for Claude and all that stuff. But listen, I, and rightfully so. Yeah, and don't forget get there early. We'll we'll post yeah. we'll, when we find out what time the Flyers want fans in the seats for the Claude's thousandth game. We'll make sure it's on our social page social pages, obviously at Obackjack and at uh, Radio Bill twelve ten and at Scott the Top. Yep. Uh, here's what people don't think. Remember too, after after they play Thursday and they have a back to back at Ottawa on Friday. Yep. Is he held out on the 18th? That's I think that's a real possibility. I think that's a real possibility because I think I think if the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher had their way, I don't think Claude would be playing these last one. I think a move might have been made. And two, I don't think obviously by that notion, I don't think Claude would have been playing these last like four three or two or three games i'll say like i think they're real especially after i think it was the florida game where he took a hit and he was slow to get back to the bench like the flyers saw and i did i'm sure everyone uh that is anticipating this move to happen held their breaths and going oh my god if claude's hurt then this is this is really a wrench in the plans of what they want to do as a franchise so yeah i think i think he's going to be held out on that 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 game on the 18th after for that would have been his thousandth and one game exactly and well it's going to be interesting to watch us speak for sure as we say normally every week with this team even though that they're not playing well all the drama is right around the deadline and we've been anticipating it for weeks but you're right going back to what you know jeff marrick would have said on, on 32 thoughts you know i i don't think we can all sit here and we can all speculate 
we can all speculate and say this is what they want. You know, and they fly easy to start with the, the package of a first a pick. I'm sorry, a first driver, a first round pick, uh, you know, top prospect and NHL ready player. Here's the thing. I think fans might be very underwhelmed of what comes in return for Claude Giroux because yep, people I think so hold too. high Giroux in high regard. Claude Giroux is going to be a secondary player in Colorado, so they're not going to get he's he's not going to be the premier guy there anymore. No, the but you can is, sell him as a multifaceted guy like Landis. Well, correct. He can play the wing. He can play the center. He's and and I forget who brought this up. It might have been Merrick. Uh, I can't. I can't or um, someone else. I apologize. I'm blanking on. But they're a really bad face-off team. They oh, don't win a 60, lot. Yeah, Anthony and Giroux's one of the best in the league. Like that one percent of his face. That is nothing to sneeze at. Like no, that's that, huge. That's a and that's been his mo this entire length of his career. He's a very good face-off taker uh, in Claude Giroux. I mean, you remember a couple years ago when during the Pittsburgh series he had to have wrist surgery because because Crosby was whacking at his wrists right. uh, during the face-off so much. So yeah. I, to try and get, get, get an upper hand on him, like there is, he's a top five face-off winner this season. And that is something that could be enticing. It sounds silly uh, for the average fan, but that is something that teams really do look at. It's all yeah. about puck control. Yep. Agreed. And don't forget, like, He's got a lot of grit when he plays well. Like I, like I said, I was watching him against against Edmonton and watch him in person and seeing the little things he was doing. There's, I thought he was impressive. I, 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 I would look at it this way. I'm not an NHL scout, and I never will be. But he it look, he could have been impressive by how how gritty he was getting down. Low. No, you know, not to talk about the mascot, but how how much fight <laughs> he was playing along the boards down low behind the net on the forecheck and really being aggressive with his play. And I think that people don't realize that side of his game, that what we saw in 2012 in the shift, that 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 that's still there, that's still inside him, that still can happen. Yep. You know, you get into a playoff situation, I think you'll see a different side of Claude Giroux when he's not the featured guy. Now, and, and here's the thing you have to be concerned about. I think teams are concerned about as well. You look at it as that, is, is he just – is he because he's that skilled or is he just the best player in a bad team? And I think there's some there's some hesitancy of that. Well, and I still think that Claude Giroux's got a lot left in the tank. And I still think he's a very, very gifted player and a very high-skilled player. And that, can you imagine putting Claude Giroux back on your second or third line, being able to have the luxury to be able yeah. to do that? I mean, that's like going back when the Flyers had him at the 2010 final run and how, how big he was for them back then because of how skilled he was on that on the, on the second and third on the second and third line. So, yeah, and – and- and also factor in that this guy has won everything that you could win as a flyer except the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's all that's missing. Yeah. If he goes to a true contender like a Colorado, that's gonna fuel the flame. Now, like I, I get that the 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 one thing that I think someone brought up that is a very human element to it mm-hmm. is the fact that he's gonna probably be going out there alone wherever he goes. Right, because because Ryan and the kids are staying here like that is at least for the time being like it's not it's he's more pressed to get out there as quick as possible than getting his family out there. Now that now he might try and coordinate it to have both, but it's very tough uh, to to leave, especially when you have two young ones. I think they're all under the age of three, maybe four. I don't I, I don't know the ages of the kids, but like that's a huge element. That's a huge human element to this. Yeah. And like, yes, I think that the the passion that he has to win a Stanley Cup is there. 
but he might struggle in the first couple of games for that new team because he's leaving his family behind for at least the first couple of weeks. And I think that's a real, and and you try and factor that in. Now that's, that's a post trade factor that you, that you worry about, but it's a very real thing that that new team or whoever it is uh, has to, probably factor in because they want to get the kids out there and the family out there yeah i mean that or you know that that's another factor as well and that's why he has no movement clause so listen yeah i i want i want to prepare flyers fans for this there we as as much as we've been speculating over the last month what you're going to get for claude jerome what's going to happen there is still the off chance that he does not waive his no movement clause now yep. they're there here's how it'll work it is that they'll have the flyers will make some deals deals in place and then ask claude if he's willing to go there he says no, he doesn't wind up going anywhere. You have to understand that's Claude's choice. Yep. That is his choice. Now, is that in the best interest of the team? If that's what he's talking about? N- no, it really isn't. But again, he has a right in his contract where he has a no movement clause. So if he has a no movement clause, he has the right to exercise that. So yeah, it's you why have it's there. To be prepared for that because I think that if that, I think that would be backfire for a lot of people, but it's also his right. You know, yep. and then and then I think people more pissed off at the fact, oh, you could lose them for nothing. Okay, well, wasn't the Flyers' choice to do that? If Claude decides not to waive that moving clause, that's Claude's decision, not the Flyers. So you have to, you have to so be, I, prepare yourself for that mentally as well. So I asked you a moment ago about the Ivan Provorov chances being moved in the offseason. What are the chances in your mind that Claude is moved at the trade deadline here on March 21st. Are we talking a flyer or a Jerulis Flyers team by the time we record our next episode? I don't know about the time we record our next episode because the trade deadline is eight days away. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. It could be, it could be a very well, it could be a, you know, a, a, a two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday type deal. Yep. Um, but I think the chance is like 80% minimum. 80%. Okay. I think it's really high that he does go. And yeah. I think he knows that. Because as much as he cares about this franchise and cares about this team, I think he knows that he's the only asset they have to have an opportunity to do that. And if he decides to come back in the offseason, he can decide that. But that might also be driving the price down if teams aren't getting a commitment from him or at least another season. Yes, because so, teams yeah. might want that commitment. They might want right. two or three year commitment and might want they might have a contract ready to go mm-hmm. the moment he arrives in the new in the new building like that might be a real possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you then you're kind of talking about like a Gagne scenario right. for fly like Flyers trajectory of how he'll go, he'll come back for a season and retire as a Flyer. Like that's yep. that's the extent of what could happen. So yep. yeah, I think I'm right around there. I think I'm 75, 70 percent that he's that he's out of here. Um, and and look, I I don't say it gladly. Like it, it's one of those things. I, like I said last week, I'm gonna miss the hell out of this guy. I think he's been a great leader for this team over the last uh, tw- ten years, eleven years, whatever it is since he yeah. became captain. Like this is this is not an easy void to fill once he goes. Right. Like, I, like that 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 void is gonna be lasting for at least at least seven months. Like until we get to the next season and someone can fill the role. Not just the captaincy, but like the 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 assist production, the goal production, and, and just the overall leadership that Claude had for this team. I, I, like it's a very it's a very real void that I think Fletcher is weighing when he makes when he decides to say yes to a trade or no to a trade with Drew's approval. That's that's the issue. Um, overall, I know we touched on it for a second. Um, the, the Rasmussen the the Ristolainen deal. 
five years, about 25, $25.2 million of 5.1 AAV against the cap. I think this is as good as you were going to get. I mean, we heard the rumors that uh, he rejected a 6.4 uh, AAV. That would have been a contract that would have been in a 6.4. So I, I give him credit. He took less for longer uh, over the course of, of this uh, contract. So I, I like it. I think rest. I think Ristolainen is exactly what this team needs for the time being and a big, heavy guy uh, just creating a presence. And you're seeing that on the ice. I mean, it was bold of him uh, the day or the day after the game after the contract to commit two penalties in, in one period. Uh, thanks, Risto. But I think overall, it's a good it's a good uh, it's, a, it's a good pickup. Listen, his first contract was for six years and thirty two point four million five point four AAV per season. He signed in 16, 17. The, the, his salary works out to be different where he took a $300,000 per season cut to do, to stay here with the Flyers. Yeah. That says something. That says He did something. say he loves the city, he loves the fans, he loves the team and he wants us to be around when he wants to be around when we turn it around. So Right. Exactly. And I, that's yeah. a that's a big commitment in a down season for that a guy took a pay cut to stay yeah. here. Like yep. he could have went out to the market and, and got what he had before, maybe a little bit higher. I mean, I think, you know, be, buy out some of your UFA. But listen, the Ristolainen has played well enough where he can be a core part of this team going forward, depending on who, what happens to the defense. You're going to have at least Risto to build around. I thought Risto has played well enough this season on a bad team to really deserve the fact that he can stay here for a long term. And now you've solidified that. You have Ryan Ellis on long term. You have Rasmus Ristolainen on long term. You got Sandheim has got another year on his deal left, and you'll figure that one out as you go along. Yeah, in a long term contract. So essentially, you have four defensemen under contract for next season. Braun, you don't know. I don't think he's coming back. He's probably going to get flipped at the deadline. Yep. And that sixth spot, you know, Yandel, please get, yeah, please, yeah. please, for the love of God, I'm tired of looking at Keith Yandel. Well, I'm okay, tired hang of on. It. But Cam York is probably here to stay now. Yes, so thankfully. Cam York. So really, you have five defensemen that are ready in the NHL. What do you do with that sixth spot? You can always figure that out in the offseason and get a six. Exactly. Like, are you willing to make that bet? Because, again, like you said, Sanheim has been an arguably one of the best defensemen on this team. Right. Uh, I think he's been right up there. I, I think Braun has had a secretly decent one or a quiet. I thought quiet. he's played very well this yeah. year, Justin Braun, I, for I what he's, he's been asked to do. Yep, I think he's had quietly a really good season. I think Sanheim is just the 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 quote unquote it guy because he's young, he's a homegrown. Um, but yeah, like I, I think you can't keep yo-yoing these guys. You right. can't keep yo-yoing Cam Yorks of the world, Morgan Frost of the world. If you are committed to try and rebuilding this thing by next season to be a contender in the playoffs or a, a playoff contender, like just to get into playoffs, not a Stanley Cup contender, a playoff contender. Like just you have to know what you have. See what Morgan Frost has. See what Cam York does. And honestly, what they have given us, really damn good. I mean, Cam York or um Morgan Frost is a little bit different because I think they've been they've been asking him to do too much or do something different than what his game is. Let him play his game, guys, and I guarantee you you'll be happy. Yeah, and I think that getting the right coach by and no disrespect to Mike Yo, he's got yep. these guys playing better. No disrespect to Mike Yo, but I think having the right guy behind the bench next season is really going to make the all the difference in the world because the yep. look on the finer tune parts of the game that Vigneault did not do with this with some of these players. Yeah. So I think that that's a huge thing that people aren't seeing is that I believe that if you get the right guy behind this bench, 
focus on certain things, not Dave Hackstall, so to speak, with the skill set, with it, but get guys who focus on some of their small areas of their game and a guy who can really rally that locker room. I think this thing is a great, honestly, they, they're the aggressive rebuild they talk about. I do think it's possible. I, I think, it's possible. think it's possible. Yep. Yep. It's just a matter of, you know, if they, they get the right people by in the right in the right seats and that's exactly what everything is all about yep all right that is going to do it episode 108 of orange and backcheck thank you so much for listening make sure you're subscribed to us on our twitter page instagram page all that good stuff at o backcheck at orange and backcheck uh podcast on instagram facebook twitter um what did i say for us is at radio bill 1210 at scott tata s-k-a-t-a-h orange and if you have a question for us or a comment about the trade deadline like you like scott corrected me because i don't know my dates because daylight savings time sucks the next episode is the preview we'll know some trades i think but not all of them obviously uh the trade deadline is a week and a day from today when we're recording this on march 21st at 3 p.m thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next week stop messing with the goddamn clocks